0: Thank you, guys. We're gonna we're gonna have them come right down here. We're gonna pray for them, and um, we we want to be a part of this. We want to be a part of this as much as we can. So why don't you stand with us if you'd like? And anybody that wants to come up here, and we want to pray for them and uh, and believe. He said there's five thousand uh, Russians here in Springs. Um, if you add wives and children or husbands and children, they should have a church about ten twelve grand here pretty soon. So. We 're just going to believe that the first three hundred will be here, and then they can do it somewhere else, but uh, we believe this, and also Pueblo they have there's people in Pueblo that come up too that uh, they want to they want to minister to also so let's pray God, we thank you we thank you for your call lord i'm always amazed and impressed by your call on people 's lives and what you do and how you do it and God, we ask you to anoint them, guide them through this and 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 lead them, give them wisdom and direction insight of how to specifically reach the Russian-speaking people in, in Colorado Springs. Lord, we just thank you for this. Thank you for letting us be a part of this too, God, that that uh, they can use our facilities however we can help. Lord, we want to be a part of this. And uh, God, we thank you. Anoint anoint their, uh, their direction, anoint their vision, anoint what you've called them to do. And God, make it amazing and mighty. Make it amazing and mighty. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. <clears throat> the uh, pastor and his wife... Are going to be leaving? they have got to get back up to Denver and do some things. Um, Bogdan did I say that right? Yes, and his wife will be here. You can ask them questions his um, so her father does not speak Russian. He married a Russian girl, and so then they they Bogdan married her, so him, her, and her mother speak Russian. her father does not speak Russian but uh, he, can, he also helps translate and some things like that. She's a good translator. I don't know if yeah. you noticed that. Very solid translator. So, so we're excited about this. Ask them questions, talk to them. They can give you the details, what's happening, what's going on. Um, and then they are starting the third. And um, uh, Josh Kramer, is Josh here? Oh, Josh's not here. Uh, Josh Kramer is going to be here um, and be a part of that service. Uh, I can't be there, but, th- but he's going to be a part of that service and Kind of greet them for us and and I'll be either. So anybody that wants to show up, they do translate into English during the service, so you will know what's going on. You're welcome to join them and, and uh, see what's happening there. So a couple of things I wanted to mention, <clears throat> just some stuff that have uh, been happening. We had our fireworks stand this last summer, and we just got all the, the uh, numbers back. And we got everything finished. We know what we did. That's um, now remember we were not supposed to have fireworks stands, not supposed to do all this stuff, and every day. Uh, we were in fear of being shut down. We had our biggest year we've ever had. We had um, we made fifty-one thousand dollars for our departments uh, for that. That's that is a major deal. Our our departments get to do the things they want to do and spend the money they want to spend um, and and accomplish the stuff. And so that's that's a real big deal. That's to me that was a uh, really an amazing thank you God kind of thing. And also, I don't want to overdo this or belabor this point, but we've talked about this with our leadership around here and our board specifically, we've talked about this quite a bit. I believe that God is showing us favor in some ways right now because of some of the things that we've done and some of the stances that we've taken. I'm not the kind of guy that overstates that or tries to do that too much because I think you can create that in your own mind sometimes too. But I, I really do believe that, that God is doing some things for us and has been doing some things with us um, because of this. And so so that's the the next part of this is uh, we have, so we have the building plans out in the hall that are, you know, our bigger plans uh, in the future. And then we have the ones that we voted in um, last year that that were, uh, that are expansion plans or what we're trying to do and go out this wall and expand out and do some things and so, so here's some of the steps that we've taken. We are, we have um, taken what we owe. We owe about three hundred thousand dollars on our property, land, building here, and uh, we've been paying p- paying that off at a pretty aggressive rate. Uh, we only owe about three hundred thousand left, and we're putting that, we're refinancing that because obviously interest rates and things, and uh, we're putting that on a five-year note, and we should easily have that paid off in five years. Now, with that, because that is going down quickly, and it has been surprising us how how well it's been going down and doing things. Um, because of that, we are still we are push pushing forward with our uh, expansion and some of those other things. We um, we are because we last year we finally finished getting the property into the, the uh, into the to the city of Colorado Springs rather than just the county. We're now going to be re- working on tying in the water and sewer and everything to what we have here um that that is that's regardless of whether we do anything we're going to do that uh so our toilets are not orange and so we're gonna we're gonna get all that uh done as quickly as possible we've got money in the bank to accomplish a lot of this we did um sign and finalize the contracts with uh, Colorado commercial construction and with rmg uh, architects to to go ahead and take the next step and finish everything out with all of the plans not just um like uh, design plans, but all, all the plans, engineering plans and everything. So as the money is there, we're going to continue to move forward and expand and uh, do all this. And we'll show you some plans in the next few weeks. RMG is going to have everything finalized and brought to us. But obviously, we're needing to do something. I've had some people asking me, okay, what happens as this service keeps growing? Do we go into the first service? We don't necessarily want you to go into the first service because everybody in first service, or most people in first service are wearing masks and they want distance, and if half of you go into that service, we can't do that. And uh, but we are looking at a way to maybe do this: have a, a mask section, and then a uh, like a packed section over here. I don't know what I don't know what we're gonna do.
1: <clears throat>
0: you know, and it's like this group looks at that group, you know, kind of thing. I don't know. I really don't know. This we've never experienced anything like this. So we're trying to figure some of this out: how we can. Um, I mean, obviously, you can look around this morning, and it's. You know, three or four more families, and we're f- having to figure something out. So um, that's not a bad thing, but we we're still talking to the school. We used to use the school for stuff. We're even going to talk to them about maybe using some other bigger facilities like their their um, auditorium and some things like that. We we don't know for sure what we're going to do. Uh, if if you got about a half a million dollars, we could start digging tomorrow. Um, that that actually that number would actually get us very comfortable to be able to start because we can we can afford to comfortably finance the rest, but. Um, in fact, if you if you give a, hundred, a half a million dollars, I will get my shovel. I will bring my shovel up here tomorrow, and I will start digging. So, just to let you know, we, we are still trying to move forward, trying to accomplish some of the things we've been developing for quite a while around here, and uh, we feel pretty strong about it. Now, I want to I want to um, I want to approach this subject maybe a little different than the way I normally would look at maybe this set of scripture or even the bigger concept. So so the idea that the body of Christ, we're in this together, we're, we're the kingdom of God, we're the family of God, we're the body of Christ together. I, I really believe that this is becoming more real to all of us right now than maybe we've ever seen before. That when when in um, Hebrews chapter 10 where uh, Paul says, that don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. We're, we're seeing us as, as, and I believe that this has been part of the deal with what's happening in our society, that Satan is trying to 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 uh, isolate us. I think he's trying to keep us all separate and to try to control things that way. And again, I know I keep harping on this, but guys, I think this is just very important for us to keep in mind. I, I really believe if the church would have stood up at the very beginning of this whole thing six, seven months ago and said, no, you're not going to do that. You cannot tell us not to have church. You can't. Constitution says that. If we would have done that, we, I don't think we would be dealing with the stuff we're dealing with today's society. I don't think we would have been having all of the the masking and then the separation and all this stuff. I just don't think we would. I think if the church would have pushed back. But what happened is it went the other direction. The church became part of the problem. Uh, not 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 uh, not just like complicit, but I think kind of the tip of the spear for the government by saying, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And all these churches said, okay. So that, so it emboldened the government and they went forward. Now, since then, the church has been standing up. Okay, I, I do see this. And I'm hoping this is the direction that we're taking. I hope this is a spiritual direction, not just um, a few isolated places across the country. I I really hope the church is saying enough is enough uh, because we can push back on this. Now, with this mentality, we've got the group, you've got the family of God, you've got the kingdom of God together, and how the body of Christ helps each other, it's vital that we get together. It's vital that we worship together. It's vital that we pray together and and, uh, read God's word together. Now, with that, I want to... I want to look at this morning, Of with all of that said, at the end of the day, you have to make a decision individually, and, and I believe multiple decisions, but specifically the idea of, of a making a decision to get saved, somebody else cannot do that for you. You have to make the decision yourself. You accept Jesus or you don't. You can, a group does not accept Jesus. An individual accepts Jesus, and so there is this... There is this individual kind of thing that's going on, and I want to show you a few different scriptures here that show us that there there is these moments of individualism and isolation all through God's word of how we have to do this, and Jesus even leads us in that in different ways, but to really look at, at the end of the day, you've got to make the decision. Nobody else can do that for you. The whole government can be crashing around your ears. You make a decision. Your whole family can turn against you. You make a decision. Or everybody can be on your team, but you still have to make the decision. You have got to decide. You've got to decide whether Jesus is God or not. Somebody else cannot make that decision for you. And so let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 14. this is where we come to in this. uh, King Saul had been doing things that he was not supposed to do. One of the things is Samuel said, I want you to go wait for me here, and I'll come, and then we'll sacrifice animals, and listen to what God says, and then we'll attack the armies or whatever. And uh, Saul didn't do what he was told. He was disobedient. He sacrificed the animals. Um, and this is, this is the very important and well-known scripture where Samuel tells Saul, obedience is better than sacrifice. Do, do, doing what God says is the most important thing. Obeying God. Not doing what you think spiritually should be done. Not doing what you think would be a good idea in a religious context or whatever. Obey God. This is why when people ask me that things societally right now, culturally, that um, is countercultural. They will ask me, do you believe this or do you believe this? I, I had a group of uh, people that had come and, and I had gone to a meeting of theirs, an LGBT group meeting that they had invited me to is, to talk to them. And uh, it was very tense. There was a lot of tension in the room. Um, they, when I, When I got ready to speak, they... They decided to have a question time before I spoke. And then usually you speak, you have questions. They wanted questions first, and then I could speak. And I thought, all right, this this is going to go well. So, uh, you know, obviously one of the first things, one of the first questions, Pastor, do you believe that homosexuality is a sin? Which is the best way to answer it. Usually the question I get is, do you hate homosexuals? That's a that's a, that's a that's a trap to say it that way. You're trying to trick somebody when you say that. And uh, because according to scripture, we're supposed to love everybody, regardless of who they are, what they what they think or what they look like. Or what we're supposed to love everybody. That you can't be a Christian if you don't love people. You can't be a Christian. Je- Jesus created people. They're from Him, and so. But they asked you, "You believe?" And I said, "Here's the thing that I have to stick strong to." I said, your community, your culture is very much about um, that, you know, we're isolated, we're separated, and we have to stand for what we believe, even in the face of, of opposition or whatever into the community, community concept. I said, they're all like, yes. And I said, but here's the thing. I believe something very strongly. I believe God's word is the foundation for my existence. And I said, for me to believe that, i better be either all in or I'm a hypocrite at all levels. So if I'm all in, I have to believe that the Bible is true about everything. And if the Bible says to me that homosexuality is a sin, even if it upsets you, I have to stay consistent with it, because that's my foundation. And I cannot compromise any more than you feel like you can compromise about what you believe. The fact that they are in opposition means that obviously one of us is wrong. You believe I'm wrong, I believe you're wrong. But you have to stay consistent, or you're just a hypocrite. So when you say, do I believe that homosexuality is wrong? I believe the Bible, and anything the Bible says is what I have to believe. I mean, I don't see it as a have to most of the time unless it's picking on me. As long as it's picking on them, I'm okay with it. But (laughs) if it's picking on me, I don't want to believe it. But I have to stay consistent, right? Picks on me, picks on them. I have to stay consistent. And the Bible says it's a sin, and so, yeah, I do believe that. And nobody got upset. I'm not exaggerating. Nobody got upset. They're like, we get it. That's what you believe. And then we, then we talked. And so um, <clears throat> Saul is making his decisions here. Samuel says obedience is better than sacrifice. You don't get to make the rules. But Saul had been making the rules. Because of that, they get defeated in battle. They become slaves. They become, uh, in fact, the, the Philistines had, were the ones that were attacking us. The Philistines conquered them, and then they even took away all their blacksmiths, so they couldn't make swords. They, if they needed a blacksmith, they had to go to the Philistines for a blacksmith. And so There was only two um, sets of uh, weapons and stuff here. There was two swords, shields, and spears. And they belonged to King Saul and to Jonathan, his son. So this is where we come into the story. They were in persecution and in slavery because of their sin. Here's where we come in, where Jonathan is making a decision. He says, because his dad had made it against the rules. You cannot, you are not allowed to... um, to do anything to the Philistines or anything like that. And Jonathan just said, I'm done with that. We're gonna, I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to stand up. Because this is very important for us right now. I believe the next two or three months is going to really decide a lot of things in our country. I think we have, <clears throat> I said this last week, I, I, I do get pushback when I say these kind of things. Not, not from you guys. Um, again, I, I try to tell you, I know this doesn't sound right for you, but the only pushback I ever get for any of these things is from pastors. That drives me crazy. Pastors are the ones, the pastors are the part of the problem in this. It's not the average person in the church. It's the church leadership that's cowering down. It's the church leadership that's being a wimp about this. About everything that we're seeing in society today. It's the church leadership that won't stand up and say, no, you're not allowed to define those things. You're not allowed to define me. I get defined all the time. I'm something phobic. doesn't matter what, I'm something phobic. Well, guess what? I don't care what other people think. I know who I am. Right. But then you've got all these pastors that will just roll over. Anytime, anytime anybody starts a new movement and starts some kind of riot or protest, you've got pastors that are complicit in all this stuff. And it's destroying the church. It's, it's actually destroying our country right. via the church. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Is Jonathan gets to a point where he says, enough's enough. I'm going to have to take a stand. Look how he verbalizes some of this. In verse 6 of 1 Samuel 14, he says, let's go across to the outpost of the pagans. It's important that we know he says this, he uses this term pagans. Why? Because he is saying that they are not God believers. So at some level, if he calls them pagans, instead of just saying, let's go across to these, the enemy, right? He specifically calls them pagans, he's dividing it. He's saying they don't believe in God, we do believe in God. Now, does King Saul believe in God? Yes, King Saul believes in God. He's just not obedient to God. Jonathan is saying it's time to more than just believe. We've got to stand up and be obedient and do what he says. So this is where he comes to this. Jonathan says to his arm bearer, perhaps the Lord will help us. <clears throat> I like that perhaps. That sounds like my strong faith most of the time, right? I, I, I believe that most of us would be in the same boat with this. I, I, again, I think the greatest statement of faith that I see in the Bible is there's two, one in the New Testament and the Old Testament, the Old Testament is when the three Hebrew children say our God will deliver us. They're, they're staring across the way at the fiery furnaces that are billowing up. They say our God will deliver us, so we're not going to bow to you. But even if he doesn't, that's a great statement of faith, guys. Even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow. That's, that's faith. I'm going to serve God regardless of whether I feel like I get results from it or anything else. I know God's the deliverer. I know he's in charge. But even if he decides you don't want to do this one for me, I'm still not going to bow. This, the one in the New Testament is when the guy says, um, Jesus um, says, do you believe? He says, come home and heal my daughter. And he says, do you believe I can heal? And he says, I do believe. Help my unbelief. That's a great statement. I do believe. But there's unbelief in here too. It's all coming in. We We were talking about this last Wednesday. We are talking about Healing what healing looks like and how this happens. And I'm addressing a lot of the things that the church creates that are not biblical mentalities when it comes to this. And this week coming up, we're going to continue to discuss this. And it's a group discussion. In case you haven't been on a Wednesday night, we dis- discuss. Um, I, I do most of the discussing, but we do discuss. <laughs> and, uh, and just some really good feedback of how does Jesus do this. We're going to look at that this week. Um, guys, there's nothing wrong with saying I, I struggle in my belief. Okay, that's fine. Just, just get in your mind that you're going you're gonna to go this direction. God, I'm struggling with my unbelief, but that doesn't mean I give up. I keep moving forward in believing. I keep striving forward in my faith. So he says, perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle, whether as many warriors or only a few. This must be our statement right now. This must be our mantra in the United States. As a Christian, this has got to be your mindset. God, you're the winner of the battle. Nothing can stop you. Nothing can hinder you. You are the king of everything. And I don't care what is going on around me. I don't care what the news says. This is just me. This is totally me right now, okay? This isn't Jesus or anything. It's just totally me. If you're still watching TV news, okay, I'm not even going to finish. You're getting lied to. Do you know that? You're getting lied to. Don't let, don't let CNN tell you what you need to think. First, they're wrong. They're lying to you, and, and, and it's going to hurt you. Let the Holy Spirit tell you what to think. There's places you can find news out there. There's plenty of places with the Internet you can actually find truth nowadays. You can't by watching TV, but go online, and you can find truth. But think about where your sources are coming from, Okay? Think about the source that you're reading. If you know them to be liberal, you know them to be lying, why care what they say? They're setting the stage for you already to be lied to. Get into where you know that they have a a moral foundation, that they have a, a liberty foundation, a republic, democracy, freedom foundation, and work with that and then broaden out from there. The same thing that Jonathan is doing here, he's making a decision. I don't care what my dad is saying. I don't care what the Philistines are saying. I know that God wins the battle. I know that. So if I will get with him, then I will be on the right side. I'm going to follow him. Now, here's the thing is Jonathan had to make this this decision for himself. He was the only one that was making the decision. Nobody was making it for him. In fact, his father told him, don't do this stuff. Don't don't try to go fight. Don't do anything. And he said, but I'm going to do this because God's the one that's in charge. And I'm not going to let people or circumstances dictate who I am. So he begins this. Now, we do have to throw the armor bearer. I think he's the, to me, for me, I know that some people don't see Scripture this way, but for me, he's the comedic relief of this whole thing. He says to Jonathan, do whatever you think is best. I'm with you completely, whatever you decide. Now, that's not a totally bad place to be, but I... He's not saying, I believe in God. He's saying, Jonathan, I believe in you. Now, guys, here's something that's pretty important. People are watching you, paying attention to you, and following you spiritually. You need to know that. From teenagers, adults, whatever, you need to know that there are people that are paying attention to who you are. There are people paying attention to how you walk in Christ. Maybe they haven't got to a point where they're saying, I can totally make this decision by myself, but if if you're going, I will at least follow you. You need to own that a little bit. There are people that are paying attention to you and following you. Let, let me give you an easy one. If you're a parent, there are people following you. You, you may not know this. You, you may not think, specifically when they get to teenage years, right? You think they don't care about anything I think or say. They do. They're still watching you and they're still following you. But it's not cool to, to let people know it. So they to be like, whatever, you know. But people are following you. And this is what the armor bearer is doing. I don't know that the armor bearer is totally convinced of all of this stuff. But he says, Jonathan, if you believe it, I'll believe it with you and we'll do this. Now, I don't know for sure exactly in his head what he thought was going to happen. But then Jonathan starts coming up with a battle plan. He said, this is what we're going to do. Now, I heard a message about this years ago, 20 years ago. And this guy was talking about how... um, that all, that Jonathan had a sword and that's all you need. If you got one sword, you got it. You can win the battle. You guys understand that's not the point of the story. It doesn't matter whether you have a sword, a spear, or shield, or any of that kind of stuff. If you've got God, you will win the battle. God doesn't need a sword. He can do it with a sling, I've heard. (laughs) I I think he could do it with a stick. I think he could do it with a, a finger gun. I literally think Jonathan could have walked up and gone, bam, 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 and people would just start dropping dead. Now the whole story would have been much different since nobody had ever seen a gun. They didn't know what a finger gun was, but you know. You understand the sword's not the key here. Right? It's the fact that God is God and God wins battles. But here's the important part. Unless Jonathan made the decision and did it, this story would not have happened. And so it did take Jonathan. It did take him making a decision. God, I'm going to serve you regardless of what everybody else is doing. I'm going to do what you told me to do. So here's his battle plan. This, was, this is a horrible battle plan. But it's okay. I know personally that if God's the foundation of everything, God will be victorious and God will get things done and he can use you in supernatural ways even though your battle plan can be very messed up. I am, I am a living testimony of that reality. And I think many of you also would fall into that category. doesn't matter. You you can have a horrible battle plan. Look at at what he says. He says, all right then, we will cross over and let them see us. That is a great start. (laughs) I'd like to see having that conversation with the Navy SEALs. Okay, guys, here's what we're going to do. First thing, we're going to show them we're here. And he says, if they say to us, now look at his thinking process, if they say to us, stay where you are or we'll kill you, then we will stop and not go up. But if they say, come up on and fight and we'll kill you, we'll do it. That's his battle plan. This is one of those moments and I'm, I'm wondering, the armor bearer's like, what, okay, wait, run that by me again? We're <laughs> doing what? what? It, it only gets worse for him. <clears throat> and he says, come on up and fight, then we will go up. That will be the Lord's sign that he will help us defeat them. You, you know the arm bear had to ask him, are you sure that's the Lord's sign? Come up, we will kill you. Yeah, that's going to be it. All right. When the Philistines saw them coming, they shouted, look, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes. Then the men of the out, from the outpost shouted to Jonathan, come on up here and we'll teach you a lesson. You know the arm bear was like, Ugh. Now, look at the next part of his plan. Come on, climb right up behind me. Basically, the plan was, I'm going to kill the people in the front. You're going to kill the people in the back. Let's go. Jonathan said to his arm bearer, for the Lord will help us defeat them. See, guys, at the end of the day, if that's your foundation, the Lord will help us defeat them. You don't have to worry about the plan. You don't have to worry about the stuff. You don't have to worry about the circumstance. I'm all about developing a plan I'm all about you know don't just go into something not knowing what you're doing that doesn't make sense develop a plan get a good strategy plan what you're trying to accomplish and then do it but at the end of the day man's plans are just those they're just man's plans God is the foundation it'll happen it'll happen let God be God make sure that you're thinking and praying and believing God's plan rather than just what you think should happen and God will take care of this he will do the things that he wants to. Had the, thing, as the stuff that we've come, got coming up in front of us. Again, I said this last week. I'll say it again. I really do believe this is going to be the first time in our country's history where this is not going to be a smooth election or what we would call a peaceful transition of power. Okay? Our country, our democracy has been built upon It's One of the foundations of our democracy is a smooth transition of power, a peaceful, let me say that, not smooth, peaceful transition of power. Okay. I don't think that's going to happen this time. It's, it's obvious that it's not, in my opinion. We're having riots and looters all through the United States right now. What makes you think if Trump gets reelected, that just stops? And everybody goes, ah, we lost. Come on. We are, we are in a different place in our country. We are not the same country we used to be. And this is not going to be a peaceful transition, regardless of what happened. Now, so then I, I get a bunch of calls, emails and stuff. Well, pastor, should we, should we buy a bunch of food or should we buy guns or any of those kind of things? I'm never against buying food. <laughs> Always buy food. Stock up food. Um, buying guns. I like guns. I have guns. I will buy more guns. But, but here's the thing, guys. I, again, I'm not against those kind of things. I kind of am against a prepper mentality. I'm not against the idea behind it. But a prepper mentality says, if I stock up enough, enough, I'll be okay. Guys, those are man plans. Those are human plans. At some point, that's not true. It's just not. Either because of time or what. It's just not true. At the end of the day, you've got to trust that God is the one that's the author and the finisher of your faith. That he's the beginning and the end of your existence. You've got to trust God. I'm not, I'm not anti-prepper. If you want to be prepper, prep. If it gets bad, I'll come over to your house. But, but here's the thing. If, see, I wouldn't prep properly. You open my freezer, just be bacon. Just bacon. I'll be telling you we can make it. We can make it. (laughs) But but here's the thing, guys. This is about God. It's not about you and I. Trust him. Let him make it about you, but don't you make it about you. It's about God, and he'll be in charge of you. So they climbed up using both hands and feet, and the Philistines fell before Jonathan, and his armor-bearer killed those who came behind. See, they did their job. Jonathan got the front. Armored bears got the back. They killed some 20 men in all, and their bodies were scattered over about half an acre. Suddenly, panic broke out in the Philistine army, both in the camp and in the field, including even the outposts and raiding parties, which means way out there, okay? And just then, an earthquake struck, and everyone was terrified. Let me give you the significance of the earthquake, because this is cool. This is, this is some deep stuff. You might want to take some notes on this little part right here. God did the earthquake... Because he he likes to do cool things. <clears throat> That's it, write that down. <laughs> he likes to back up who he is. That literally is who he is. He likes to how do we know that? He says in Mark 16, if you'll preach the gospel, if you'll just be obedient and do what I've told you, tell people I'm the savior, tell people I can forgive my sins, tell people my blood covers. Them, if you'll do that, I'll do miracles. Demons will be cast out, people will be set free, people speak in tongues, healed, all kinds of stuff. He said, I can do some big stuff. If you'll do the little, I can do some pretty amazing stuff. And then he just gets excited. He watches Jonathan walk up, and man, Jonathan's cutting him down, the armor bearer's in the back, and I mean, they're getting with it. And he gets excited, and he's like, boom, earthquake. Earthquake doesn't really accomplish anything except it just continues to scare and scatter. But he had already accomplished that he didn't need an earthquake. He just did an earthquake because he's cool and he likes to show off. <laughs> I, and I do believe that theologically, by the way. That's who he is. That's what he does. But what he wants us to do is just get with him and be obedient. And then he says, man, I'm going to do some cool stuff. You're going to be amazed at the stuff I'm going to do. Don't you, think, don't you think God enjoyed the moment when he sent the fire down to the altar that, that Elijah had built and done all the stuff? Remember, Elijah's walking around with buckets of water, pouring them all over the altar around, and around, built a little trench and everything? Because Elijah knew if God's going to do this, he's going to do it. If he's not, me putting water on, it's not going to change it, right? But then God says, okay, he's going to like this. I wonder, if even when, I wonder if it even surprised Elijah how big God did it. Because God's a big God, and he likes to do big things. And he likes to do big things specifically when you stand up for him. When you when you will be who he's called you to be, he likes to do big stuff. Amen. But you got to make the decision. See, when you're making the decision, you don't know the big stuff's about to happen. That's the faith part. That's the part where we struggle. That's the part where it looks like we'll be persecuted or put down or whatever the case is. It's becoming very strong and very common in our society today. If you stand up and say something... That is against the, the cultural norm. You'll get shouted down, you'll get screamed at, and all kinds of stuff. I, again, I, I've mentioned this. I watch these videos where people are walking through the grocery store and people start surrounding them and, and yelling and screaming at all kinds of stuff. You, see, here's the thing I don't think that's the moment when you decide who you're gonna be. I think you're gonna make the decision a long time before that. You gotta decide who you're gonna be in moments like right now. In moments when you're at home and you're talking to God, you've got to decide who you're going to be because that's going to be taxed. It's going to be tested at some time in your future by circumstances, people, or whatever. You've got to make your decision. Who am I? Where do we go to decide that? You can decide by society. You can decide by your own self. It's called humanism. Or you can say, God, this is who you said you are. And if I'm just following you, then that's who I am. This is who you are, that you're my foundation. So three things. They were under siege and slavery because of their own sin. That's important to understand. They were where they were because they had sinned. I I strongly believe that where we are as a country right now is because we have sinned. Because we have been turning against God for a very long time now. You cannot abort the amount of babies that we have aborted and God be okay with you as a country. You cannot and I believe that judgment is happening to us. I think there's a lot of other things you can look at in society right now that are going wrong. Okay, a lot of stuff. But I believe I, I, I mentioned this maybe a few months ago. I believe our biggest two issues right now in this, in our country is we don't have a uh, we don't care about life anymore. We don't have sanctity of life. In other words, we we will murder babies and we um, kill each other and we human traffic. All those things are under the category of. Sanctity of life. A lot of these riots and stuff like this, the reason they're doing what they're doing is because they don't care about human life. I know that the overarching thing is Black Lives Matter. I don't think that's true though. I don't think Black Lives Matter is a good group. I think it's a terrorist group and I think they don't like, I don't, they don't care about black people. They're harming black people. They're not hurting they're, ru- they're riding in predominantly black neighborhoods. They're killing people that are black people. They're killing black cops. How, does that, how is that liking black people? And the sad thing is, is there are truly people that are trying to stand up for the black community and say, we care for the black community. And they're shouted down and they're attacked and they're pushed over and marginalized. I mentioned this a few weeks ago. I've mentioned it four or five times. Please, it will cost you money to do this. But go online, go to UncleTom.com and watch the movie, the documentary called Uncle Tom. It's not the movie from the 70s. Don't confuse that. It's a documentary right now put out by Larry Elder, an amazing man. And he's going to all these places, looking at the inner city, looking at all this other stuff, looking at many solid, moral, conservative black voices that are saying, you're harming us, you're hurting us by doing these things. But those people are marginalized. Guys, there has to come a moment when you decide what truth is according to who the Holy Spirit is, who God is, what his word has told you, not because of what society is saying. But when you do that, when you take that stand, you will be attacked. You will be ostracized. When you take the stand, the very first, prominent, most important stand is we believe in the sanctity of life. God created us in his image, and we believe in that. God created every person in his image. Every person. And that starts with that little baby at conception. God, God is, God's not okay with who we are as a country because of this. And I believe that's the first thing as I think that we're getting, I think we're in a judgment situation right now. But here's the reality. Even with that, they knew they were, under, they were under siege and slavery because of their own sin. But the second thing, and this is where the story can be changed, is Jonathan knew that God was still God. Regardless of what his dad was saying, regardless of what the circumstances were, regardless of what the, uh, you know, the army or Philistine were, he knew that God was still God. And as long as you know that, you can look in the face of society and everything else and say, but my God is still God. You don't get to decide who God is. God's already decided that. And, here, and here's the biggest thing for us as individuals. You can't tell me who he is because I know who he is. You don't get to tell me who he is. I know who he is. He is the God of everybody. He's the God of the planet. He's the God of America. And regardless of what we are doing, and regardless of what's happening politically and everything else, we understand that God is still God. But here's the last part of this, and this is where we got to hone in right now, is that Jonathan was willing to stand alone because of that mentality. And that's where we have to be willing to go to. Again, I know there's the body of Christ. I know we're supposed to be together. I know we help each other and all this stuff. But I also believe that there are times that God calls each of us to. And sometimes of moments that we're kind of forced into that you have to be willing to stand alone and make your stand on Jesus and his word. You've got to be willing to do that. If you have to have somebody backing you, if you have to have somebody helping you, there's, there's already a, a misunderstanding of who Jesus is and what the cross does in your life. Jesus died for you. His blood covers you, and you can stand alone. It doesn't, it doesn't make it easy, but you can stand alone. But you've got to be willing to do that. If everything else around you is caving, you've got to be willing to stand alone. Luke chapter 16, I read this scripture last week. I'm going to read it again. Jesus is talking, uh, he's saying this very thing, okay? Jesus asked, do you finally believe? He's talking to the disciples. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. Now we know that was about to happen in the garden. We're going to read that here in a second. We know that that was going to happen. But I just mentioned last week, just briefly, that I believe that that's bigger than just the time and the moment of the disciples. Think about this. And they were told to go preach the gospel. Go preach the gospel. Wait in Jerusalem until you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Then go preach the gospel. Go. They waited in Jerusalem. they were filled with the Holy Spirit, but they didn't leave. They stayed there. Acts 1.8 says you're going to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. They didn't do it. They stayed there. They stayed there. They stayed there. And and they had been been told, you got to go. You got to go. What happened? They started, well, Stephen gets uh, killed. Stephen gets martyred and everybody takes off and scatters. And they're seeing it as a persecution moment, which it was. Stephen was killed. But they're seeing it as a persecution moment. And I think the Holy Spirit is saying, okay, now finally you're doing what I've told you to do. They scattered. This scattering is kind of the beginning of that, but Jesus is left alone. The difference in the scattering that happens later is they're taking the gospel out. That's a, that's a complete profound difference. And he says, you're going to be scattered, and you're going to leave me alone. Now, why is that important? Because Jesus said that he was tried and tempted in everything that we're tempted with, everything. So Jesus is the example here for us of when you have to go alone, when you have to deal with the circumstances by yourself And there's nobody else around. Because every Christian will go through that at different times in their life. Where you have to make the decision by yourself. Do I follow Jesus or do I not? And and, and you can't worry about what everybody else is saying. He says, but I'm not alone because the Father is with me. Isn't that the same thing Jonathan said? I'm going to go up and we're going to do this. Why? Because God's going to take care of us. God's with us. God's the victor of the battle. All I have to do is go. I may be totally by myself, but if I'll go, God is still God, and he's the one that's in charge. I've told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. He's not saying you're not going to deal with stuff. He says you will have trials and sorrows, but when you do, know that I've overcome everything. Everything, including what you're going to deal with, I've overcome it. But you're going to have to make that decision. Luke chapter 22. Verse 41, this is Jesus at the Garden of the Gethsemane. This scripture came to my mind very strongly when we were in Israel. We're sitting, we kind of got, we were at the Garden of Gethsemane. We'd come over here, and the Garden of Gethsemane is right here. We're sitting at the corner of it. And we got paused there because there was a band, like a marching band that was playing and walking through. So we had to wait. And while I was standing there, I kept thinking about these trees and all this stuff. Because the one of the, um, the tour guides said that because of the age of these uh, olive trees and stuff there's a good chance that some of these olive trees were here at the time of Jesus. And I'm sitting there looking at this and, and just kind of, they're little bitty trees. They're not like, it's not like a big forest. It's, it's not what you might think. I don't know. So I'm sitting there and I'm looking at these olive trees and I'm sitting there processing. We sat there for about 30, 45 minutes. And I'm looking right down across and there's the walls of, of Jerusalem and there's the Eastern Gate and all this other stuff. And, and I'm thinking 2,000 years ago, Jesus was here. But he was completely alone when he did this. He was completely by himself. And this place has got hundreds of people surrounding and all this other stuff. But when Jesus did this, he did this alone. Except then he says, but God's with me so I can do anything alone as long as God is with me. Because that's the key. You know the important thing of this is that decision that he made completely alone is the reason that we are all together process that a second we get to we get to worship and serve god together because jesus by himself poured his blood out so that we could have access to god as a group together so jesus verse 41 he walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed father if you're willing please take this cup of suffering from me yet i want your will to be done not mine we've got to make that our mantra Your will, Lord, whatever you want, whatever that looks like. I want your will. I want your will in my life, in my mind, in my spirit. I want you not what I think, not what I believe, but what you want. Your will. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. That's pretty serious. At last he stood up again and returned to his disciples only to find them asleep. These were were great followers. You know that irritated him. But at the same time, I think there was just a resolution in his spirit by that time that that he was going to do this. And it didn't matter what everybody else was going to do. He was going to do this. They're asleep. Where was I? And they were because they were exhausted from grief. Why are you sleeping? He asked them, Get up and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. That's by the way, that's the way you always don't give in to temptation, you pray. I, I used to say this to teenagers years ago, 25 years ago, when I was a youth pastor. I would say to them, If you're if you're like on a date and he or she is back in those days, it was only he, the, the girls were not the aggressors. <laughs> nowadays, but um. I would tell him, if if he starts leaning in, you know, to kiss you and you don't want that to happen or whatever, just start praying real loud. (laughs) Works every time. (laughs) Some of you have been married 30 years are like, I'm going to give that a try. (laughs) (laughs) At last he, sorry, verse 47, but even as Jesus said this, a crowd approached led by Judas, one of the 12 disciples. Jesus walked over to Judas walked over to Jesus to greet him with a kiss, but Jesus said, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? Man. I I have found over the years, specifically as a pastor, sometimes the people you invest the most in and you care the deepest for are the ones that hurt you the most. It's just a reality. That doesn't change who God is, though. God's still God. When the other disciples saw what was about to happen, they exclaimed, Lord, should we fight? We brought swords. One of them struck at the high priest's slave, slashing off his right ear. You know that was Peter, right? And, and, but Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. We see where, I think it's in John, where the, they, were, they all took off running, and one of the guys reached out and grabbed one of the, uh, the disciples' clothes, and it ripped his clothes off and he ran away naked. That's pretty serious running away. Um, I believe, though, let I me mean, just throw this out here for you to think about I think all those disciples were scared, but I don't think Peter ran away because he was scared. I think Peter ran away because he was very confused. He cuts off the guy's ear. Jesus said no more of this, and he touched the man's ear and healed him. And I think that so threw Peter into a spiral he didn't know what to do. Jesus, I, I told you a few hours ago I'd defend you. Now I'm trying to defend you, and you're scolding me and putting the guy's ear back on. And you know Peter wasn't trying to cut the guy's ear off, right? Swordmen are not that smooth. He was trying to cut the guy's head off, and he missed. You understand that, right? I kind of wish he would have cut the guy's head off. And then Jesus picks his head back up. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been cooler? I don't know about you, but i had been. That dude it at least converted. At least you would have had one convert, right? Especially if Jesus like put it on backwards at first. All right, I'll quit. <clears throat> Jesus is like, oh my bad. All right, here's the thing. Here's the reality of this. Guys, I really do believe we're gonna come to a place. I think it's I think we're I, actually I think we're already there. I think we've been there, but we haven't been making I'm saying the church in general, we haven't been making the right decisions. But I think we are coming to a place as individuals where you're going to have to decide who am I? Do I follow God? Do I follow myself? And you're going to have plenty of opportunities to follow yourself. It's going to look a lot of different ways, but you're going to have to follow God. You're going to have to. Why don't you stand with me? So I'm going to pray for me, you're going to pray for you. Because why? That's the point of this whole thing. You've got to make the decision for you. Who am I going to be? Jesus, do I believe and trust you? Do I trust in you? Do I believe that you're God? You've got to make that decision. Nobody else can make that for you. You've got to make that decision. And I believe that you need to take moments like this to solidify or to, to re-up that decision more strongly Because when you're faced with the issues, that's not the time to make the decision. You make the decision in moments like now. Okay, when you lay your head on your pillow tonight, you make the decision then, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Regardless, if I have to climb that mountain to fight, I'll do it. If 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 I'm in the garden kind of mentality, I'll follow you because you're my God above everything. Let's pray. God, we thank you. Lord, I just submit me to you my whole existence, my life, my mind, my spirit, my body, my my existence, my past, my present, my future, relationships, my family, my marriage, Lord, my finances, I submit it to you. I just want your will, I want your will to be done more than anything else, I want your will to be done in every area of my life. God, even when I am resistant to it, even when I don't like it, Lord, I pray right now that you push your will into my life, even through the times I don't want it at that moment. Lord, I pray your will be done. Your will be done. God, as we look on the horizon of of politics and election, your will be done. Jesus, your will. Lord, and I pray, Lord God, if, if, if you are judging us, I, I believe you are, if you are judging us, Lord, we repent. Lord, we repent and we ask you to help us to get it right so that we don't have to continue in this, in this path. Lord, we pray for our country that we'd, we, we would repent. Lord, I pray for churches and pastors all across the country. God, I, I pray that they will stop just trying to preach how do we emotionally cope? That they will stop that. that. They will preach let's repent in the name of Jesus. God, that we will stop worrying how do we deal with COVID and we will start worrying about how do we deal with your spirit? In the name of Jesus. God, I make the decision right now that I follow you, that I follow you. I pray that all over this room that we would follow you in Jesus' name. Lord, you're the the winner of the battles. God, I also pray as different ones of us, even this week, we come up against moments and we have to to decide. Jesus, remind us of your word. You did it and we can follow your example. You did this, we can follow it. Help us to hold on to you and follow your example. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So I would like you to Continue to pray. Many of you uh, agreed to fast a day a week, one day a week, and pray. Please continue to do that until the election. Um, after that, you don't have to, I guess, anymore. You, Jesus doesn't care anymore after that. I don't know what. But but uh, please, please pray and fast at least one day a week. Fast and pray every day. Pray for our country. Pray for who we are. Pray for what God is trying to do. Get our attention. Pray. God will listen, and he does answer your prayers. He does, okay? So make that decision, and uh, and just follow through with it. And I'm going to be praying for you. I do pray for you that that will happen. So before noon tomorrow, God's going to give you a chance to let somebody know that Jesus loves them. Do the best you can. Tell somebody about Jesus. He will honor that in your life. It's a guarantee. If you're going to the journey tonight, please let us know uh, so we can have plenty of grub for you. Everybody's welcome, but just let us know before you take off and we will see then. If not, we'll see you Wednesday night. Have a great rest of your afternoon.